Well, Aaron O'Toole has been leader of the Conservative Party for less than 18 months now, and tomorrow it may all come to an end. His own caucus will decide his fate, voting on whether or not to allow him to stay or show him the door. Alberta MP Garnet Genus, who supported O'Toole for leadership in 2020, says the leader is in an untenable position. We're not seeing what we need to from the leadership right now. Uh, but I think when you have leadership uh, with, with vision that unites people, uh, that we're in a very strong uh, position going forward. Look, I'm, I'm optimistic about the future of our party. Uh, I think we need uh, new, strong, principled leadership. O'Toole supporters believe he has the votes he needs. O'Toole came out fighting on social media last night. So can he hang on? And even if he prevails, is it already too late to unite the party under his leadership? Joining me now is Tasha Carradine, principal at Navigator and a political columnist for Post Media. Welcome to the show. So Aaron O'Toole could be gone by tomorrow. And in an op-ed yesterday, though, you already said he was a dead man walking. Why is that? Well, I think it's because things have got to this point um, and there have been multiple points since the loss the Conservatives suffered in the election where his leadership's been challenged uh, immediately afterwards. Um, and then uh, Senator Batters recently um, and now this. Uh, and there's been grumbling along also, you know, by various uh, factions within the party, not happy with how he's handling things. Um, and so this is really almost the nail in the coffin. I mean, you've got 35 members of your caucus who sign a letter and say, we want to force a vote to get you out. A vote that, incidentally, they usually wouldn't have been able to have. They gave themselves that power after the election, which was another first, another indication that they were not confident and want to keep him on a short leash. So, you know, I think at this point, it's Fisher cut bait. Um, the party has to make a decision because you can't keep prevaricating like this. It's very destructive for them to continuously be infighting uh, or plotting behind the scenes. So uh, my sense is he will probably go, if not this week, at some point. That's the intelligence I got over the weekend that um, that his his days are numbered. Uh, but no one really knows exactly how many how many days that is. It could be tomorrow. It could it could be later. But I think the fact that he's calling it and he's saying, let's do it is a good thing to try and, and make a decision one way or the other. Was it any surprise to you that he came out fighting and, and and even though it looks like it could be very close and his hold on power is so tenuous, was it surprised to you at all that he came out, came out swinging? Uh, no, I think, you know what? Um, some people said to me, this was the Aaron O'Toole they saw when he was running for the leader, <laughs> uh, very pugnacious and fighting. And uh, it's a little, maybe too late, but um, I think it's better to go down swinging. I, I think that, um, you know, his, my understanding is his people think they have the votes to survive and the other side thinks they have the votes to take him down. So somebody's wrong in this mix, um, but somebody's also right. And I think he thinks that he can, he can hang on. Um, I think also it's a question of, you know, the direction of the party. And in that sense, uh, I think it's good that he's fighting. I personally feel that the direction that he want to take the party in the, in the election um, was the right one, uh, more open. Uh, you know, I didn't agree with all their policies individually, but the sense of let's open this party up, let's be modern, let's be inclusive, um, let's hew to conservative principles, but let's show people that we want them in our tent. Um, he didn't manage to do that. And the report that came out had a lot of things to say about the way he personally was as a leader and, and some decisions also in the campaign. So it was a mix of things, but um, if he's fighting for that direction, I think that's laudable too, because I think the other direction the party could go in, like you said, fork in the road, is is not the one that would uh, win them an election. 
I mean, we certainly saw that with the protests over the weekend where this fork became even more prominent uh, based on what Aaron O'Toole was saying, based on what other members of his party were saying, our MPs. Where did you see that divide really pronounce itself over the past few weeks? And how is his hold on power slipped away even quicker than we expected? Well, I think that the weekend was an accelerant. Um, I think that uh, things building up to that point, uh, it sort of it sort of reached this fork in the road. Um, and I think part of it was obviously what, what took place in terms of who was at this protest. Uh, yes, there were a lot of people who came there with, you know, just legitimately angry and upset about the pandemic and the way it's been handled. And they may have lost their business or, you know, their kids were out of school for a long time, or they just felt extremely frustrated. And they said this to to reporters, like, I I had to do something. I don't know what to do. So here I am making my voice heard. There's also this sort of hatred of Trudeau. That was the, you know, other big theme of this event. Um, So the conservatives saw it as a way to slam the prime minister. So sure, they latched onto that piece. But what was also in the mix, though, were elements that if they get into the, t- the Conservative Party in any serious way, it would be absolutely toxic. Um, and I'm referring there to, uh, you know, people waving uh, swastika-laden Canadian flags, people who uh, subscribe to white supremacist ideas, people with Confederate flags, um, the kinds of things that, uh, you know, we really, in Canada, don't want to see and have no place in our politics here, in any party, quite frankly. Now, they were standing shoulder to shoulder with the people who, you know, had the legitimate grievances, but nobody called it out. Nobody on the spot said, put those flags away, get rid of those symbols, get out of here. We don't want you here. This is a protest of well-meaning people. Get out. Nobody did that, including Mr. O'Toole uh, and, and the other conservative politicians who were in the crowd. So that is a problem. <laughs> that is a real problem for the conservatives. And I think it's a problem also that, you know, that Mr. O'Toole maybe recognizes, which is why you know, maybe he's welcoming this contest in a way because it's it, that that piece has to be crushed and squashed and, and eliminated from the conservative lexicon. Because if it gets, if, if it if it you know people's in people's minds they start to see the Tories tarred with that brush, that is really the end um, for the for the party. They are not going to come back from that in the minds of a lot of Canadians. For MPs that did wander out into that crowd, what do you think the political calculation was? They must have seen the signs. They must have known that there were lots of people out there whose support they did want, but must have recognized there were at least a few in there whose support they probably didn't want. What do you think the political calculation was in making that move? Well, I think the calculation was, like you said, that there's a lot of people in that crowd they want. There's a base there that definitely is a conservative base. Um, a lot of the, the folks came from out West uh, where it's conservative seats. Um, so there's a sense of solidarity with people who were there who felt that, you know, Mr. Trudeau, again, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So you're going to go after people who, who are mad at Justin Trudeau and say, well, support us. We're here for you. We're listening to you. Um, I think that they, I, I personally feel that they ignored the rest of it at their peril. They downplayed it. They said, well, you know, but we don't like those things, but there are very few of them. They don't really represent this. Well, that's not good enough. That really is not good enough because the minute you're seen standing with someone who is hateful you're not standing for freedom. You're by association standing with hate and you cannot do that. So I think they miscalculated. Um, I think that they don't quite appreciate maybe how serious the situation was and, you know, blame the media for overplaying those pieces. But, you know, uh, I don't think they were all like liberal plants and you've got all sorts of crazy ideas. You know, people are saying, oh, those flags weren't really, (laughs) they were just brought there by people who were wanted to make the things look bad. No, 
um, I think that um, they they should have been more cognizant of, of the people that they were they were mixing with. We were talking about this a bit earlier. The sense is that this could be a very uh, good time for an opposition party, especially a conservative party, with with all sorts of issues the government could be taken to task on. And yet it feels like the party's once again sort of fighting. What kind of damage does that do to the party in general? Well, it certainly distracts it from its role as official opposition. You're right. There's so much they could be talking about, whether it's inflation or housing uh, or the way the pandemic's being handled going forward, uh, foreign affairs. I mean, you name it. Um, there are so many issues right now the government can be taken to task on. And instead, they're going to be focused or are focused on tearing each other apart. So, you know, for the liberals, at least short term, that gives them a pass, which is unfortunate for, you know, for the government for, for Canada and for democracy and, and, and gov- good governance in general. Um, but the conservatives also could use this as an opportunity um, if they do end up in a leadership situation to really have an honest battle of ideas. And it's a battle for the soul of the party, basically, um, to, to come out of it as a strong party, as a more inclusive and open party and a party that can really appeal to the progressive conservatives who've left it in droves. And who really, if they don't get those people back in the 905 and, uh, you know, in Quebec and uh, in urban centers across the country, they will not form a government, period. As someone who is once a, as you, once a member, I mean, how, how disappointing has it been to watch this fight go on? And where do you think, I mean, that's a pretty serious statement. The soul of the party is at stake. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, it's that serious. I think it is. And it is hard to watch. Um, You know, I was involved with the Conservative Party when I was 14 years old uh, until I was 29. Um, It was a big part of my life. And uh, after I left it and uh, went into media and was then not a member of the party anymore, um, I continued to observe it and, uh, you know, write about it and critique it and uh, follow everything um, with great interest. It's a a personal passion as well. but it is it is painful because I do remember the days of the old progressive conservative party. Um, I remember when reform, you know, split that that family apart uh, and the painful exercise to get back together. Um, and this feels like, you know, deja vu. <laughs> and so um, I, I Canada needs to have two strong parties that can uh, replace each other when, when one has been in too long. I mean, there's, there's an, all, in French you say alternance, you have one party, you know, governments in waiting. Um, and uh, you, if you don't have that, you have no check or balance because you, you end up with a party that just dominates all the time. That's not healthy. So just from that perspective, it's painful to watch, but it's also painful because I really believe that the conservative ideal, if you really look at it, you know, from, from Edmund Burke to, uh, you know, uh, to fiscal conservatism as, as is practiced by Ronald Reagan, uh, Margaret Thatcher, sort of the icons of conservatism back in the 80s. There's so much there. This is such a rich tradition that it does, that we can draw on, that conservative small C can draw on, the party could draw on to really help Canada navigate the challenges of this century. And that's not happening. Um, the stuff we're seeing now is, you know, those Trumpist elements is populism, it is right-wing stuff that is not uh, in the Canadian mold of conservatism. And it's, I think, not in a healthy mold of conservatism. Some of it's not conservative at all. So yeah, it hurts a little to see that. I guess we'll find out tomorrow where the party's headed. I guess we will. And, uh, you know, it'll be another day. So 
No lack of drama. Yeah. Groundhog day at that. Um, <laughs> Correct. Groundhog Ta- day. Tasha Carradine, principal navigator and political columnist for Post Media. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ben.